This episode of the Julian Dion Comedy Hour podcast is brought to you by Too Soon and Beginnings by, by Julian Dion. Yeah, that's right. My two comedy albums, Too Soon and Beginnings, now available for digital download at jdcomedy.ca. jdcomedy.ca. It's Wednesday, September 20th, and you're listening to a brand new episode of the Julian Dion Comedy Hour podcast. On today's episode, Wakefield Sessions continues with my guest, singer, songwriter, lawmaker... Yeah, that's right. She's a lawyer. She's a sweetheart. She plays a couple tunes live in studio. She's super talented. We go in, we go deep. Don Pritchard is my guest, and it all starts now. Welcome, welcome to the Julian Dion Comedy Hour podcast. For what? Um, that's right, coming at you from Lemon Press Studios in the Gatineau House. Hi, hi, hi. Wakefield Sessions continues. We're in week three. She is good. It's good. Uh, how are you? Are you good? Uh, my guest today, Don Pritchard, joins me in studios for ah oh, another one for the books. They've all been Wakefield. Ah, oh, I just don't know what to say because I feel like one of these days I'm gonna come on and go. This one was all right. This was, but no, everybody in Wakefield knocks it out of the park, and it's not easy. You sit down where it's an intimate space, we're about a foot apart, face to face. Looking into each other's eyes. No notes or nothing. It's just about connection and conversation. And so a lot of people, I mean, I've interviewed hundreds of people and, and, and you know, sometimes people where you wouldn't expect it are just complete duds when they hit the mic. And it's, of course, understandable because it's not easy. It's this different muscle that you're working out, you know? It's like this thing that if you're not used to it, and I don't know what the heck, heck? is in the water in Wakefield, but everybody's just so damn good and honest and open and real. This, Because this is the thing, because it's called the Julian Dion Comedy Hour podcast, people get tripped up on the comedy part, and sometimes that can take away from the authenticity of the interview. You ask a question, they make a joke. Kind of in a way to deflect, but in a way to kind of keep the comedy theme on board, but that's not what I'm looking for. I'm not looking for jokey jokes all the time. Look, I'm a comic. I'm a stand-up comedian. That's what I do for a living. Hence the Comedy Hour podcast. It's hosted by a com- comedian, but you know what? It doesn't have to be... I've said this before, but there's nothing harder to listen to than two people trying to be funny. It's fucking painful. So I just tell all of my guests, just be yourself, hang out, be real, be authentic, and humor will come from it, no doubt. It'll just happen. 
And Wakefield, so far, everyone's knocked it out of the park. And Don Pritchard is no exception. She just nailed it. Killed it. Great interview. So thank you, Don. And by the way, I know nothing about lawyers. Obviously, they don't make law. They, 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 uh, <laughs> a lawmaker is like a politician or some shit, like a founding father, you know. And so I said that off the top. She's a lawmaker. She's a lawyer. And an incredibly uh, talented musician, singer, songwriter, gifted performer. And we get into all that uh, in a little bit. All right. So, so there's that. Otherwise, here we are. I'm coming at you from my closet. And uh, in Wakefield, it's hot right now in the closet. It's poor circulation. It's a small, tiny closet. And, uh, but I love it. That's the problem with getting a nice place, nice home, nice house. Now I never want to leave. I don't want to go anywhere. And I fear that if the longer I stay here and don't go anywhere, the more I'll be socially inept when I get out in the world. Because now I'm just like, anybody I talk to, I'm like, just come over. You come over. You come over. And I do my interviews from home. I work from home. So I'm kind of scared of my next stand-up gig because I'm going to be like, uh, you know, looking into the light. Like, it burns, Zach. You know, I'm not used to the public anymore. <laughs> Which, by the way, uh, Wakefield, come to Le Ibu on Thursday, October 12th. 12th? 12th. For an evening of stand-up comedy with uh, myself and Jen Grant and uh, special guests. It's going to be really good. Uh, tickets are now available at Le Ibu. There's going to be a, a way to purchase them online at Eventbrite and off my website. That's not just quite uh, there yet, but details are coming. I mean, those are the details. What am, I, what am I saying details are coming soon? The, 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 these are the details. October 12th, 8.30, Le Ibu in Wakefield, 757 Shemar Riverside. And uh, we've done shows there in the past. It's uh, magical, so come on out. So that'll be my only outing. Yeah, I do I do still kind of, um, you know, I still go out and run errands, but I feel I get more uptight and anxious about certain things that would I wouldn't even notice before. Like, you ever do this? I was in this situation recently where I was at the cash at a grocery store with Jen and at the line. Do you ever have this moment where you're with somebody at the uh, checkout and they go, oh, I forgot the carrots. I forgot some carrots. Stay here, I'll be right back. That's the most terrifying... When they're gone, you feel like a dog. You don't know when they're ever going to... You think they've passed on. You go, oh my God, what's... Are they ever coming back? You know how you leave, your pets don't know that you're ever coming back? How could they possibly intellectualize? They don't understand English or concept of time or anything. And that's how you feel at the checkout. Oh my God, is she ever coming back? There's no way. She's passed on somewhere in the frozen goods... In produce, she's out cold. Will they make an announcement that they discovered the body? That's that's where I go every time. She must have passed on. It's the most terrifying moment ever, because first of all, you might be, you might be right at the cash, or you might be next, and you have that little, you know, that plastic divider on the belt dividing the pro- person in front of you's groceries and yours, and it's slowly going beep beep beep. Do you have an Air Miles card? The person in front of you is paying and you're like, you start getting clammy. Oh my God. Where is she? We didn't even need carrots that badly. What is she doing? I don't, we could have done without the carrots. I would have stopped. I would have stopped at an Esso and got carrots. 
Instead, can you tell that I don't do the grocery shopping? You can't get carrots at Esso. You might be able to get like a carrot-shaped air freshener, but you can't get carrots at Esso. I don't know where that came from, but uh, you panic. You go, where the fuck? Then you start getting mad. We did not need carrots. I'm pretty sure we could have gone a, a goddamn day without f- fucking carrots. Then you start. You go through all the stages of grief. Please come back. Then you're sad. You're next. She starts running your groceries through. Boop. Boop. Still no sign. Still no signs of the carrots. Oh, God, she's passed on. How am I going to live my life? This is all going through my head, by the way. Sweating. Finally, she shows up with the carrots, and it's the most glorious moment. But you can't show... You don't show relief. What do you do? You get mad. Where the fuck were you? What what happened? Where'd you go get the carrots? At Esso? Where were you? Well, I decided we also... Also needed some almond milk. Oh, that's not the time to add things. If you go get carrots when your partner's at the checkout at the grocery store, you go get carrots and you come back. You don't start adding things to the list. Just go, he'll fend for himself. He'll be good. That's a terrifying moment. What I do is I look at myself in the... Because um, a lot of grocery stores will have that camera. You can, almost, you can see yourself when you're at the checkout in like black and white. I'll just look at my posture. It's always horrible. I have the worst posture memory. So I'm looking and I'm like, oh my God, I'm super crouched over. I'm really depressed about uh, these this carrot run. And then I do a posture check. I get nice and straight. Abnormally, like uncomfortably, unnatural looking straight. And I have no posture memory. Ten seconds later, it won't break down to... I look like an apostrophe. I'm like, shit, what am I doing? And that camera, that black and white camera, that security cam at the checkout at grocery will always remind you. Your posture sucks. Shit. So now I've got all this roller coaster of Negatron energy, negative, negative, negative. Where the fuck is she? Where are the, where are the carrots? What's happening? Why is my posture so bad? Why do they need a security cam right here? Isn't it too late at that point? They're only getting the back of your head and your posture. What I like uh, is the uh, in the in the uh, grocery stores is on your way out, there's the measuring on the door, like, to measure your height. Do you know what I mean? It's like measuring tape, connect, like, taped to the wall. That's an effective... That's an effective security measure right there. If the camera doesn't get him, well, he ran by the door, I glanced, he was five, between five foot six, and... How could you possibly... Six foot one, I don't know. He could have been crouching, slouching, standing. That's the thing. That's maybe the thing where my posture comes in, like my, my bad posture when I'm at the grocery store. Maybe my body is ready to steal shit. So that if they see me go by, they're like, he was four foot nine. And uh, meanwhile, I'm five eight. And I'm just rolling in free groceries at my place, undetected. All they have on camera is my bad posture and my height, my fake height, five foot, four foot nine. Anyway, smarten up, grocery people, I guess is the point of that. That's a terrifying moment. This is another terrifying moment. Do you ever, do you ever when you're at uh, in a big city, this happens especially in big cities, where there's a lot, because you need a lot of people for this terrifying moment, where you, you're you in traffic and you're inching up, inching forwards, 
forwards, forward, and you're getting to uh, the light, and it changes, and you go to go, you, know, you hesitate, and then you stop, and you're halfway across, like through the crosswalk. And then these hordes of people start surrounding your car. Like you look at both sides and you just have like mounds of people just like the walking dead, just slowly coming. Uh, that's the terrifying one. You can't back up because there's already people behind you crossing. They're mad because they have to get, you know, off the crosswalk behind people that are coming. They're mad. They're looking at you. You're like, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. You're frozen. You can't back up. And any chance you do get to back up. Do you ever do this move where you're at a red light? And you start backing up, and the person behind you just lays on the horn, like, I see you, asshole. I'm, this is not new. I'm using the mirror. I'm not just blindly throwing this shit in reverse and flooring the, the gas. Always, anytime you had a red light, and you, you get that moment where you go a little too far, and you start backing, the person behind you, hang, hang, hang. They're, like, freaking out. You look in the rearview mirror. It's like, I see you, dumb shit. Anyways. Let's get to my guest today because this is a good interview. It's really, really good. I loved it. I've known her for a little bit and uh, seen her perform live. She's super fantastic. She's got a couple albums out there and we're going to play one of those songs right now and then we're going to get into it. So enjoy now my chat with the one, the only, Don Pritchard. You and me belong just like the flowers laughing all day long. People, I need to lose. Sing a little song, then take a shower. Julian Dion, comedy And yes, once again, this episode is brought to you by Too Soon and Beginnings, my two personal comedy albums. Yeah, that's right, my two live comedy albums that I've worked very hard. To put out there are available now for digital download at jdcomedy.ca. Yeah, I know you're curious. You hear me on here talking and interviewing, and you must wonder what, you know, what it's like. I do comedy for a living. Maybe you've been to a show. You want to capture that again. You want a, want a little souvenir. Well, go to jdcomedy.ca and download Too Soon and Beginnings. jdcomedy.ca. What's that? What's that? You want a little taste? Sure, I'll get... Oh, I'll wet your beak. Here's Too Soon. My, da- my dad actually killed a rooster once by its legs uh, against a um, barn wall. That happened. <laughs> that was a real thing. I ran over a raccoon and I cried myself to sleep for a week. <laughs> a week! <laughs> Here's beginnings. This is weird. I just looked at Reject and he went like this. <laughs> Which usually means fucking, right? <laughs> usually it's like... Oh, CPR, got it, okay. You're not gonna come up here and have your way with me in front of my, <laughs> my passed out. You're like, yeah, all right, here we go. Right. What am I even talking about in those clips? Well, only one way to find out. Download Too Soon in Beginnings at jdcomedy.ca. That's jdcomedy.ca. Do it today. To watch my step as I'm walking down my street Can't seem to get it all together No matter what I do I lost my keys as I'm walking down my street No doubt locked out, psyched out, deja vu The bottom 
first to 20 turns to 30. Jackpot! Awesome. I love that. That was really good. That that you heard just there is my guest today, and she sits across from me in Lemon Press Studios, a.k.a. my kitchen table. Today, I'm very excited to uh, speak with her. That is uh, my street from her uh, latest release, a 2016 album, Catch Me If You Can. And uh, we're sort of neighbors. We've known each other for um, a few years. We've been in and out of Wakefield. And this uh, today, Wakefield Sessions, Wakefield Sessions continues, which uh, for first-time listeners... Here's what it is. If you've heard this before, it might be repetitive. Just settle down and listen. Uh, Wakefield Sessions is my way to introduce Wakefield to the world. Of course, I moved here and uh, I talk about uh, my life on the podcast. I mentioned Wakefield more than a few times. So this is my way to introduce the people that uh, make up this uh, crazy town that we call home. And uh, also for locals, this is a good way for them to get to know my guest today. They get to, uh, you know, you probably know her already. You've seen her play. She's amazing. And then now you'll see her down, walking down the street and you go, wow, I really know her now. Like really deep through and through. Don Pritchard is my guest today. Hey, Don, how are you? I'm pretty well, thanks. How about you? <laughs> good, good. Thank you for doing this. Thanks for agreeing to do this. We've, uh, we've known each other a little bit. By the way, that song was amazing. My Street, it's really good. I was trying to think of a way to describe your music, and I can't. It's kind of its own thing. It's really, really good. Oh, thanks. I've, I've been trying to find a way to describe it, too, and I can't. I ask people, and uh, um, I've been told eclectic folk pop ambient whatever i like that eclectic full pop ambient yeah sort of yeah I, d- I don't know if anybody out there can think of a way to describe my music yeah let julia know or let, let me know let us know somehow because yeah the whole time i'm thinking how do i 
You know, at one point there's like a micro part of it that's kind of like Beach Boys esque. I don't know. I can't like it's. It was just like it feels good. It's like sunny. It's bright. It's um. It's its own thing. Let's call it that. Uh, f- first of all, let's do this. This is the first time ever we're gonna do this. We're gonna have a pickle taste. Pickle. Um, yeah, taste test. Okay, so Dawn uh, and uh, her partner Jamie, we went over for barbecue, and they had these pickles out for as a garnish. We're having, you know, classic BBQ, little dogs and birds uh, happening, just straight up. And there were all these garnishes on the table, and there were these pickles, and I ate the whole bowl. I was like, I had to. I was like, I'm sorry. I'm that guy. I ate all of the garnish. I'm so sorry. Turns out you guys made them. Two jars. He ate. Two, yeah. <laughs> And I like that you know exactly because when you make them, you're really aware of the inventory. You know, like when someone comes over and eats two jars of garnish of pickles, you go, "Shit, that was two jars." I understand, like, because you have this mental inventory because there's so much that goes into it, and you get protective of your pickles. We made thirty jars this year. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, we made, and by we, I mean fully Jen and her mom. I kind of helped a little bit, but uh, and. I don't know, maybe 20 or something like that. Wow. So let's, uh, and again, to this day, Jamie's are like, you guys, yours are, because they were so good, because they were accidentally, hashtag pickle talk for a second. They were accidentally left in the brine for like a day or two extra. So yours are like extra salty and they're so good when you have like a cold beer or whatever with it. It's like salty and vinegary and uh, dilly. So try this. Okay. This is our first attempt at pickles. This is a pickle off. I can already feel it in my you know how you can feel it like in your jaw kind of like i somehow knew this interview would involve pickles yeah well how could it not how do you like that mm, it's good. good it's really good how would you describe it mm. salty mm-hmm. flavorful a hint of sweetness hint of su- there is that sweetness mm-hmm. we don't know where that comes from well i guess you put sugar in there but and just the right amount of crispiness. Mm. I don't like pickles when they're too crispy. Would that mean that they're not cooked enough at that point, I guess? Because, well, not cooked. Well, you, you, because this is the way we did it. We did it based on exactly your guys' instructions. So once we jarred them, we put them in the canner while the water's boiling. Then you dunk it for like 10 minutes or so. And that kind of seals it and everything. And that discolors them. They, they go from super dark green to like that pickle light green. They look more like a pickle. So I guess the crunchiness would be the amount of time you leave it in there, maybe? I, I haven't got a clue. I have to say pickles are Jamie's forte, and it's his recipe, so he has to take all the credit, okay. not me. But We'll um, have to have him on for another pickle off. Yeah, I think he'd like that. Yeah. Well, when he first, uh, when we said we are going to make them, th- that was kind of the uh, agreement. We're going to swap jars and... Uh, do it i'm gonna do it in a dark room blindfolded uh in a sealed room so like all of my <laughs> so that all of my senses are focused on taste you know? <laughs> upside down for some reason when you're hanging from my <laughs> all right enough about the pickles let's get to know don pritchard so you have two albums out and i remember seeing you at the cafe cafe 1870 which is i think almost all of the musicians that have been on during wakefield sessions the cafes come up but I saw you there the first time you were hosting, and I was like, holy shit, that was awesome. And you were playing guitar and then uh, the keys at one point, and you were just kind of doing it all. So where where do you come from? No, where, where are you from? Where are, you, are you from here, these parts? Where you? I'm from Saskatoon. Oh, Saskatoon, Prairie yeah. Gal. Yeah, Prairie okay. Gal. I've been out here uh, nine years now. Okay, so yeah. you, have you been anywhere between Saskatoon and here, or it was just Saskatoon and then straight wake fizzy? 
Well, depends. I uh, and this brings an interesting story. Okay, let's do it. Let's get into it. We've I, got time. I was born and raised in Saskatoon, mm-hmm. and uh, just before I was about to graduate grade twelve, I had an offer to join a band. So I packed up my stuff and loaded it up and. Um, they went off to the next town, Weyburn, Saskatchewan, which was actually where my mom lived. And I went home that night and sat on the edge of my dad's bed and said, Dad, I'm, I've joined a band and I got to be in Weyburn tomorrow. And uh, went to school that morning and tried to write to an exam early so I could at least graduate from grade 12 because that would have given me enough credits. But right. she was a really nice teacher. I didn't want to tell her I was never coming back. But uh, she's like, no, no, you just write it when you come back. And I never did go back. So, so like I'm I, going to waiver. I'm out of here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so I didn't uh, finish grade 12 at that time and went on the road with this band. Wow. And it's ended, like textbook rock kind of story. Yeah, yeah. And, and ended up in Toronto and played with an all-girls band there called Cover Girls. Unreal, so I, I, I played no guitar. Like uh, yeah. I didn't do any singing at that time except for some backs and things and didn't uh, really do much writing then. So you went from you. So you left high school and went to Toronto and joined Cover Girls. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, let's go back a little bit. Where did you? When did you first pick up an instrument? Are you? Do you come from a musical family, or is it something that was just sort of in you? Um, my family's musical, but not traditionally. I suppose my, my uncle Johnny thought he was Elvis, and he could play guitar and sing, and he was handsome and everything, and. Um, in the old days when everyone used to drink and everything that, you know, my, yeah. my dad would play the harmonica and, uh, you know, his friend Ernie would play the beer box and my uncle play the guitar and they'd, they'd play music like that. Um, but I, you know, nobody was really trained or anything. So I, my dad and mom would sometimes head to, uh, Regina for football games and they'd go to this store called the army and Navy. It was a discount store. They brought me home a harmonica once as Unreal. a present, yeah, yeah. So I I goof around on that, and uh, they bought an organ, so one of those ones that have the numbers and the chords. So I'd play the organ, um, yeah. you know, with uh, those, you know, the books that have the numbers and chords, and play some of my own goof around on it. And uh, then um, I was in elementary school, and they taught us to play ukulele there. So. That was Mr. Warwick who taught us, and um, I, I, my mom bought me one, and I played in my room, and she said when I was in a bad mood, I'd just be bashing on that ukulele, <laughs> <laughs> and um, just kind of continued, and uh, whenever I came across a guitar, I'd play it. Is the ukulele a good way into the guitar? Like, is it a good jumping off point? Um... I suppose if if you're going to play guitar, just play guitar, right. I think, but, but it, that's just kind of how it happened. And, um, so then, uh, my grandma had bought my uncle this left-handed 12 string guitar and I'd go over there and play it left-handed and as best I could. And my uncle never played the guitar, so she gave it to me and I got it switched over, goofed around on that. And then, it's, you went from both extremes. You went from a ukulele four string to like a full on 12 string, like pow. Left-handed. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not left-handed by the way. Right. <laughs> and then you got it switched over. And got, and then uh, my friend Kim Fontaine, who I still keep in touch with, wanted to start a band. Her dad had bought her a bass guitar. And so I'm 
like I need an electric guitar. So my uncle Johnny took me around to the pawn shops and um, I eventually found an, an electric guitar and that's how I really started playing guitar. So we, we had this band in grade seven or so. Do you remember that first time where you guys all played together? Because there's such a leap from going, you know, playing by yourself uh, at home to then you all plug in. You crank it up and then you play together. Do you remember that moment? I remember um, the first gig we had. Mm-hmm. It was at Albert School in Saskatoon. And uh, I think we were in grade eight and we had a drummer. We didn't have a bass player. You're in no, grade eight. And was this Wait. another uh, elementary school or, uh, or um, it was at junior Sean, high? Sean Kingsland, King, Kingsland, our drummer's elementary school. So Kim was on, on bass guitar. I was on... Uh, sort of lead guitar my cousin Donald was on uh, guitar and Sean on drums and we were we had a microphone we're just kind of screaming into it we had a song called wild thing and that was the only words (laughs) oh yeah just wild thing (laughs) over and over yeah (laughs) that's hilarious but you must have felt like especially going to another school that you don't go to then you go there to play you must have felt like holy shitballs that this is like a thing I can do it like this yeah we we were pretty excited about it and uh you know, Kim and I continued to play together on and off, and um, uh, then I, you know, went on the road with with the band and ended up in Cover Girls, and and uh, we needed a bass player at one time, so Kim came out to Toronto and played with us. Oh no way! Yeah. Wow. And Cover Girls was it? Did you guys hit the ground running right away? Did you where where were you, would you perform? We performed in Toronto, just about everywhere, but the Gasworks. So we you know tony's east and west at the time um uh oh where else the nags head i'm trying to remember the names of the places there's a place on carlton that was really cool that we played at that i can't remember the name of um and we used to uh back up um Jeez, I should have done my homework. We used to back <laughs> up this one punk band. Okay. And we were a hard rock girls band. Yeah, I was going to ask what kind of what kind of yeah, hard yeah. rock girls yeah. band. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And what years would this have been? Uh, 1982. The oh, Forgotten amazing. Rebels. We'd open up for the Forgotten Rebels. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. 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 Wow. And so you're playing around Toronto, and at this point, are you doing anything else, or you just you went from high school to cover girls, and this is your thing now? Yeah, I did it, you know, full time a bit. Uh, worked at A and A Records at the time, uh, you know, to pay the rent and stuff when I needed to. That's really like the textbook story, like working in a record <laughs> company just to make ends meet, but then this in this hardcore <laughs> or this hard rock uh, all girls group. That's cool. Yeah, it was fun. I, I wasn't even old enough to get in the bar. Right, yeah. <laughs> How old were you, 18 at the time? Yeah, I was 18. Wow. Mm-hmm. And you're playing these gigs, and um, what kind, are you getting big crowds? Or are you? Yes? Yeah, yeah. We're getting, uh, a, a lot of time we're getting crowds, because we, we uh, were involved with a management company and stuff, so we didn't have to look for gigs. And in those days, I don't know if you really had to so much. Right. You know. Kind um, of the golden era. There's just yeah, there, live music everywhere. Yeah, with no cover charge, but right. but the band got paid. And were you the young? You were the youngest in the band. No. Oh no, no, no. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so uh, we had another guitar player named Kathy who was, uh, she was at least a year younger than me. Okay. Yeah. And then was there a big gap between you guys and the oldest, or was it kind of all w- within the same kind of? Our our singer, I think she might have been twenty seven. Okay, big yeah. spread there. Yeah, Bonnie Ketchum. She was married to the, or is married to the drummer of Coney Hatch. Oh, wow, cool. Yeah, yeah. 
And what was the, did you, because you guys were kind of entering this world where, you know, from 18 to 27, like nowadays, nine years, it's not a big deal. But from, you know, when you're 18, a 27 year old, they may as well be 50. Like there's such a big gap there and, and it feels like the world of difference. So what was the lifestyle change for you? You go from high school to this, they're kind of maybe used to it, but was it an adjustment? What's the lifestyle like? Are you guys, you're in bars, you're not old enough to drink, but I'm sure you can and you are, right? Yeah, but um, it wasn't, we didn't go super crazy. Um, We didn't have the money to do that. We'd go, like we'd go to the gas works and we'd split one tall boy beer sometimes between the four of us because that's all (laughs) the money we had. (laughs) Right, because you said a lot, a lot of places were free. It was like free live music, so you weren't getting paid for those gigs. Or is it like kind of comedy where you get like two drink tickets maybe, so you get paid in, in booze? I think our management was probably getting paid, uh, but we weren't getting paid so much. Some, you know, we'd get some of our, our yeah. equipment paid for. We used to actually um, uh, rehearse at a place on Ronceval downstairs. So we'd rehearse there and... Um, People could come in and out and have a drink, and we'd get like free food and and cocktails. Yeah, <laughs> then you're getting that exposure. Yeah, that famous yeah. exposure. And how long do you do that? What what's where did you guys go from there, CoverGirl? It it blew up. Did so it? sadly, um, yeah. It just I, I'm not even sure why it did. I I came back to Saskatoon um, intending to go back and play, but it just uh, it didn't didn't work out, and they didn't really continue on. It's it's too bad because um, people would come to see us thinking, oh, we th- we, you know we figured you you girls would be shit, but you can play. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so people were surprised. People feel like the the. the no, people for some reason, when it comes to like show business, music, comedy, anything, they just give you like the most backhanded compliments. Like, yeah, because that is a compliment. But why, why say that you thought we'd be shit up front? Like, why lead with that? You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One time someone told me they're like, this guy comes up, this couple, they're like, oh man, this guy goes, I love my girlfriend hated you, but I thought you were awesome. I'm like, thanks, I guess. And she's standing right there. I'm like, <laughs> You know, what's it got to do? What did your parents parents think the whole time? When you're 18, you haven't finished high school, you're in Toronto, you're in this hard rock band. Were they supportive? Yeah, my my dad my dad was for sure um, because he knew it's what I wanted to do. And, and I was actually 17 when I left. Is that right? Yeah, wow, yeah I was 17. A child. Yeah, and, but my dad, when he was young, he left town to join the circus. So No way. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. And he, what did he do in the circus? Uh, I think he was just like a carny guy, um, you like, know, traveling around yeah. and stuff. And so, so he. So been, he got it. He knew that side of it. Yeah. Wow. And and music, it seems. I mean, this might be an ignorant thing to say, but being a carny, you might feel like music. There's more of a shot of like quote making it or whatever. There's more. I mean, the odds are more on your favor if you go i'm gonna be a musician on the road than a carney i feel like it's something that's such a like not niche but you know what i mean like a yeah yeah and and my dad has always supported me and he still does is that right yeah he's come um to the last two like to both cd releases from saskatoon yeah oh wow yeah and your mom and him they had they had split up because you said your mom lived in wayburn was it yeah she lived in wayburn so she came out to the show and uh when we played there and um that you know was was proud of me yeah 
Yeah. And then you went back to Saskatoon doing your own thing, kind of like a solo thing? Uh, I didn't, you know, I kind of played on and off and, you know, tried playing bass for some people here and there, but nothing really clicked. And I went, you know, got my grade 12 and um, uh, played here and there, ended up um, getting married and having a child. And, Is that uh, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And uh, during that time... I started playing with Kim again in a oh, group, yeah. a girl, Full circle. yeah, a girls group called Mother Hubbard. So, what happened? A couple things happened. It was kind of a bad time in life, and my mom was really sick, and uh, so Kim and I, she's like, we need to go shopping for a guitar, and uh, I need an acoustic guitar. I I never really had a good one. I I've always had electric guitars, so we went and bought this purple kind of ovation copy. It was a beautiful looking guitar. Mm-hmm. And uh, wrote a song for my mom, but because c- she died, she had oh, a- no she way. had ALS, so oh, we wanted shit. to write her write her this song. And um, oh, I'm gonna get emotional. And when when Kim and I were working through it, she's like, "Keep going, keep going." I'd be singing, just bawling my eyes out. Keep going, and uh, you know, kind of got through it. So so that the emotion of the song could, sure. could come through. Wow. Yeah. And so, did she get to hear that song? She got to hear oh, it. Good. Yeah. Maybe only once, mm-hmm. um, but she did get to hear it. And was that one of your first original compositions? Um, yeah, it probably was. Uh, I, you know, I'd written a few more before then. I'd probably written maybe five, six songs right. before then. Do you still play that one? No, I've never, yeah. I've never played the whole thing since. Is that right? Yeah, oh, Do yeah. you ever think of revisiting it, or is it too hard to go down that road? I've thought about it. When I was in the studio recording the first album, I was thinking to maybe put it on there, and uh, I couldn't get through it. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. And how old were you when, when your mom left? Well, she died in, in 1999. Oh, yeah. It's been yeah. a while. Fuck. Yeah, 18 That's years. That's a tough one. Yeah. And ALS, it can happen quick. Did it happen? Was it quick? It was quick. Yeah. yeah. They say like within three years, usually that's the, like the odds. Yeah, it was about a year. Shit. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's such a horrendous... Um, I'm so sorry about that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, do you ever think you could ever revisit that song? What's the name of the song? It's called... Um, uh, you know what? I can't even think of the name. It just... It's uh, just the feel of the song. Mm. I don't even know if it had a name. Right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, that's amazing. Sorry to, sorry about that. I mean, that's uh, that's some tough stuff. And does that inspire... I mean, obviously you wrote that song uh, specifically directly for your mother, but does that... Uh, do you draw upon a situation like that, a circumstance like that for inspiration? Does it, you know, p- produce more kind of material? Sure, it does. Actually, the, the song was called Dear Mama. Dear Mama. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, um, I mean, when I write about things, I don't always write about, like, just things. It's about, you know, sometimes about feelings or whatever's coming out at that time. Yeah, wow. And uh, so at that point, are you, you're still in Saskatoon, obviously, because you've been here for nine years. So, And then you play music, you're writing songs. And um, was this always the thing where you thought, I'm going to make this my... I mean, you got your grade, grade 12, you graduated from high school, but are you still thinking, I just did that as a backup plan. I'm, the music is still my main focus. This is I'm going to make this happen. No, no, at the time it, it wasn't. So music was kind of on the back burner. Um, you know, I, I played here and there. I didn't have a, you know, regular gig. Um, 
and uh, went back to school. I got a law degree and became a lawyer. Um, I was a single parent. Wow. Yeah. So so when I made that decision, it's like I got to make, you know, if I'm going to go to school, I got to make it good because I got to support my son. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I did. Um, but I didn't play for a long time. And I just, I think I didn't really have the confidence to do my own stuff either. Um, and I'm not sure why. I, I wasn't real confident with my my singing. And I wasn't really confident with uh, with the songs, really. Right. So um, you're kind of sitting on these songs. And then when you go play live, you you opt for just covers. And do you ever squeeze one in there once in a while? or? Well, I didn't play live by myself at, at all there. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So it would, you know, the last time I played live in Saskatoon, bef- you know, before I started doing my own thing was, was with Kim and Mother Hubbard. So it, it was only actually when I came to Quebec that I started. Start, you got, you gained yeah. that confidence in your yeah. songs and in your yeah. voice. And yeah. what kind of law, law did you practice? Well, I, I worked at Legal Aid in Saskatoon and did, uh, civil litigation I did this and that ended up with the Department of Justice Canada and and I'm still there yeah because that's where you are yeah, now right yeah yeah and how do you find um because would you music and writing is your passion yeah so how do you juggle both because you have these two great albums out three years apart that's still a huge amount of work and so how do you juggle because that's a big time career that you have a lot of work a lot of hours I find that it requires a special amount of energy, like a special kind of person to be able to do both. Because oftentimes, especially when you've got that kind of security, you go, why am I going to go out to an open mic and host or play or do anything at all? So how do you find that energy to do that? Well, it's like, you know, if I'm going to host the open mic, which I love doing, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I might be tired when I get there and... I just get energized when I'm there, you know? That's the rub, though. To even yeah. just get there, that's the... Because you can so easily just stay home. It's so easy easily, to stay home. Oh, easily. Yeah. And, and But like you said, as soon as you get out there, then you get into it and it sort of becomes this thing. And then you, when you get home or on your way home, you go, I'm so glad I went. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And um, when you went into law and decided to have a, a legit real-time career and and like you said make it count if you're going to go to school you're going to go to law school was there any part of you that thought you maybe were giving up on your dreams and aspirations of of music or you thought i'll always be able to juggle and manage both i i at the time i just thought i'm gonna go into law i'm gonna focus on that focus on being a parent Mm -hmm. and um that's what i did so the the music kind of went by the wayside and um, there were a couple opportunities in law school to play. You know, we had a variety show, so I'd play guitar with, with the band and things like that and played one original song um, during one of the variety shows. But uh, it, it, was, it was on the back burner totally. When you play at a variety show and you're practicing law and, and uh, it's people, your coworkers, are they like, oh my God, you can do that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, one time it was funny. I worked at this law firm and one of the partners there, Jay Watson, um, he goes, you know, when you're at work, you're like Clark Kent. He goes, but when you're on stage, you're like Superman. (laughs) (laughs) This secret identity, I love it. 
That's great. So at this point, when you're practicing law and doing the thing and the big job, are you writing originals at all? Are you finding inspiration in daily life? Uh, yeah, I always find inspiration in daily life. And it, it's it's the sad thing is I don't always have time to kind of execute on it. Um, I, I would you know, park sort of a certain distance from work. And as I'm walking to work, I'd, I'd be having songs in my head, melodies and um, sometimes lyrics and things and pull out the uh, iPhone voice memo and throw something down on there. So, And what's the yeah. process there? Just do you, do you come up with words f- first where you'll throw a couple words in there and then, or do you come up with a melody or a... a Typically, uh, I'll come up with kind of a melody mm-hmm. uh, or... Yeah, off, often a melody. And um, you just hum it into the iPhone? Yeah, I'll hum it into the yeah. iPhone. So so I have the melody, but I'm hearing sort of the music in my head. And then when you hear that again, it'll trigger the music in your head. All you need is the melody on, yeah. on tape. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. And then how do the lyrics come about? The lyrics come about... Sometimes the the lyrics are a bit hard for me. Um, sometimes they, they come easily, but often they don't. So... It might be, usually what'll come is maybe a tagline or something like that. Um, or I might have, you know, a couple lines for the song, but I don't actually know what the song is going to be about. So I have to sometimes sit down and think, what is this song going to be about? And then I can build on it. Right. Do you ever have situations where you write the words first? You'll hear someone say a line or something out in real life and then... You just write it down as like a jumping off point or is it always melody first? No, I'll often do that. You mm-hmm. know, I'll have, have lines here and there. So I've got like scribble notes of, of one liners or two liners. Um, but rarely, I don't know if I've ever written a whole song in words and then put it to music. Right. Although I've done it for other people. But, oh, is that right? But, but never, I, I, I just don't do the words first, I guess. How do you get the energy to not only write one, but two albums while you do what you do for a living? Because, I mean, it's all consuming, so much energy. And then you, it's one thing to go host an open mic, but it's one, another thing to write an, like, and produce and record an album. How do you do that? I think I would go crazy if I couldn't, maybe. It's just... Um I don't know. Sometimes I wonder, like, why do I do it? You know, you have a, you have like a couple boxes of albums in your basement, but it's kind of the process of creating. And I've been working with Dave Draves of Little Bullhorn Studios, and um, I just love working with him because I'll bring in a song and we, we'll just build on it, and it's just so much fun to see where that song will go. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. And. Um Let's specifically talk about your album. So I've um, I've got all tied up here. This is your first album. Came out in 2013. Yeah. And yeah, and it's, I guess like you said, it's a it's a good way to just document like your body of work and have it out there and it's cataloged and then you can't ever take that away. So the songs on here um, are they were they th- songs that you've had on the back burner had been working on for years, ready to record? Yeah, yeah. A lot of those songs are. You know, some of them are um, close to 20 years old. Is that right? Yeah. And you had them, you knew you need 10, 11, 12 songs for an album. Yep. You kind of had them on the back burner. Did you write anything new for, for All Tied Up? Well, let's let's have a look here. Let's have a look. Um, yep. Uh, Checked Out was new. Six Feet of Snow was new. Um, 
Taylor Baby was kind of new. I bought Taylor when I, I did. I wrote that song when I brought bought my Taylor guitar, and uh, Cheap Rebate is kind of new. And Nadia's song was was new. Yeah, cool. Yeah. I think the fact that you say that you if you would go you would go crazy if you didn't have this outlet is kind of a um, testament or like a it's like it's a real you're in it for the real the right reasons at that point i think you're doing it it's an outlet it's a creative thing you're a creative person if you don't do it you will you will uh go crazy yep uh, that's cool and uh so meanwhile you work you release the album what's the when you release your first album or again are people at work like oh my god you do the you can do this yeah this capacity yeah yeah and uh it, it was funny because a lot of them bought the album too and they i don't know if they thought it would be like an amateur sort of job but when they listened to it they were like wow this is like a professionally produced <laughs> yeah. album it's really good yeah yeah because you're like this unassuming you're you know it, yeah, that's great clark kent clark kent by day <laughs> <clears throat> superman by night and then when uh you write your first album <clears throat> excuse me you released in 2013 you've worked in essentially your whole life towards it and then how do you come up with the other well when when uh we finished the cd release the show was done and uh i'm like dave let's <clears throat> You know, I got more stuff. He's like, yeah, let's make another album. So I was back in the studio. I, I hardly had a rest, and I was back in the studio recording again. Wow. Yeah, I just ha had the stuff. And do you, because you have, normally the process is you record an album, you release it, then you tour that album. Because, But because you have a full-on career, do you, what's the process there when you release it? Do you just release it and it's out there, you have it? Or do you tour it at all? At all? Do you take it on the road? Well, I didn't for either. And, and part of that is, you know, um, part of it is incom incompetence on my part, I suppose, for promoting it and things. Um, you know, when I have the day job kind of thing. Um, but I, I wasn't very good at promoting either of the albums. So, well, I'm really happy to be on here and uh, talk about it a bit. You know, maybe someone else, someone out there will listen to it. But um, Oh, for sure they will, for sure, after this. Yeah, I'm so probably. I just uh, didn't do well. I mean, I've toured Wakefield with the album, mm -hmm. uh, both of them. <laughs> <laughs> and, and played a couple gigs in Saskatoon, you know, when I go and visit the family. And yeah. uh, played Irene's with Lindsay. Um, yeah, that was, yeah. Uh, was last week. Yeah, on, on, Monday. yeah it, on Monday. It was great. It was great. She is fantastic. Yeah, she's great. She was yeah. on here. She played yeah. a couple songs. Yeah, yeah, she's so good. Yeah. Well, I mean, so are you. You're very, again, it's so unassuming. It's the Clark, Clark Kent uh, thing. And you said your dad still supports you. He came down for both CD releases from Saskatoon. Yeah. And he's up there. Yeah. He's yeah. well. Everything's good. Yeah. Yeah. He's well. Yeah. Cool. He's always asking, you know, when are you playing and things like that. And that's adorable. Yeah. Yeah. Did, I, did you, did we talk, do you have siblings? I do. I have a brother and a sister. Okay. Yeah. Are they musical at all? Um, not, not traditionally. My brother is, and he's a hockey player. Um, and my, my sister is more of a like drum circle kind of gal. Oh yeah. Yeah. She would do great on the covered bridge here. Yeah, she would. She she'd love it out here. Yeah. Yeah. What brought you? What brought you to Wakefield? This is Wakefield Sessions, after all. Yeah. Well, I lived in Chelsea. I, okay. I took a. I was kind of um, looking for a new opportunity, and uh, 
it, it's sort of a long process how how I found the opportunity, but I ended up at Environment Legal Services in Gatineau, and uh, a friend of a friend was um, giving up his lease for his house in Meech Lake, at Meech Lake, so took over the lease and lived there for six years, and um, was just finding that I was spending a lot of time in Wakefield, and um, at the time, Ian Tamblin was teaching a songwriting course out here, so I was getting to meet all the musicians, cool. many of whom have been on your show. Yeah, yeah. And I uh, uh, just thought, this is, I love this place. I just love this place. There's something about it. Yeah. It's really bizarre. That's why I'm doing this whole thing, to try to get people to just under, kind of sh- let them peek in this portal that is this uh, unique place in the world. So when you started... Was one of the first places that places that you played in town? Was it the cafe? Yeah, it was the cafe. Open mic night. Yep. Louis was Louis around back then? Was he doing it? Yes. Yeah, the first open mic I played, Louis was there, and I I was really nervous. I hadn't really played by myself, and uh, Louis's boys were there, excellent musicians. He's like, let let them back you up, let them back you up. I didn't have any charts or anything, and Did they have a drum kit up there. Uh they might have had yeah. drums. Right. Yeah, full on kit. Yeah. 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 So, um, and I said, no, no. And I would have had so much fun, but, but I was just too shy and nervous and went up, sang a couple of songs with my knees shaking, you know, but Louis was so kind and he made was me feel, yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's no better way to get into something than via Louis. Like as far as a welcoming, warm, comforting, safe place to start anything, he was, he was, uh, the best for that. Yeah. That was such a, um, literally every musician that's been on here has talked about Louis. He was kind of the gateway to uh, everybody. If you're not from here and you moved here while he was around doing the open mic, he was like the, the gateway into kind of the scene around here. Yeah. Is that safe safe to say? Yeah. 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 And uh, so you do the open mic and stuff and then you just fall in love with the place? Yeah. Yeah, I was sitting at the cafe one day, um, finishing up the credits for the first album. So I had my notebook. I think it was steak night. And uh, sitting at the bench outside, the high bench there, looking at the river, thinking, I just love this place. I love the people here. I love, like, everything about it. When you said the the first time and uh, Louis asked you to uh, have his son's backing, you said no, no. and then, But at some point you decided to take more risks on stage maybe that comes with performing more because I, I remember the first again back to the first time I saw you at the cafe hosting uh you played the keys and you I think you said it was one of your first times playing ever in front of people was it maybe or first time playing keyboards in front yeah, of people yeah yeah. And, yeah yeah and so you did that and that was awesome thank you did you uh were you kind of shitting your pants a little bit like um, yeah yeah for sure <laughs> but it's fun to push yourself through that and take those risks right it's yeah. so rewarding when you when you get to the other side i'm you're like oh my god i'm so glad i did that yeah and the cafe 1870 is the perfect place to do that because the the people there are so kind and forgiving and supportive totally again safe that that sort of louis at that uh laid that groundwork especially i saw you i think it was like february or something maybe when you were one of the times i saw you hosting the first time i saw you and that's even better in the winter because then everybody's inside and really paying attention the summer can get chaotic with the open doors and people out on the patio and stuff but uh there's something magical about that the cafe on wednesday nights anytime any wednesday of the year but especially in the winter 
the whole street is like desolate and just there's nobody out there it's all dark but inside it's warm and bright and amazing talent and it's kind of like um calling it an open mic or open stage doesn't really do it justice but based on the caliber of people that end up performing there you know yeah it's great it's great there's so much talent here it's crazy do you ever get intimidated by that how does it affect you? Does it motivate you when you see someone awesome? Do you get intimidated? Or it, you... it motivates me. Yeah. Yeah, it totally motivates me. And um, I've been happy because, uh, well, a, a couple things like uh, being invited to play for the David Bowie night. And I got to yeah. bring the Strat out there. And yeah. it, it was such a hoot. It was just crazy fun. Um, I played Suffragette City. And, and and surprised people <laughs> and uh, the superman thing again yeah, yeah yeah and i i play the strat with jamie's band too the hills gang so that's that's always fun rocking out mm-hmm. full on how old is your son 26 he just got married this past summer unreal no you do not look like you could have a 26 year old that's crazy thank you very wow, much cool and where is he does he live around these parts he lives in hall he he and his wife would love to live out here but they're they're in hall right now yeah yeah, it's hard. Sometimes, do they work around these parts? Like around uh, Hull? Camp Fortune, but he's okay. he, he's at uh, University of... St. Saint Paul's University. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people get tripped up on the commute. It's um, Because it's it's not far. It's not long. Uh, but it's like in the winter, it's a whole thing. Yeah. It's cr- until you get to like St. Uh, Joseph, I think. It's like they, they don't even plow almost. <laughs> <laughs> it's like crazy, the highways. And but if you were to like live in Canada or Barhaven, it's no different time wise, but it's just it's I guess the geography of it maybe. I don't know. Uh, who knows? What the hell does anybody know really? That's for sure. And uh, are you working on a third album or anything like that? I've got stuff floating around. I figured because yeah. you said if you don't, you'll go crazy. So yeah, you have to yeah, have got lots of stuff floating around. Um, so I don't have plans to make a third album, but. Uh, I'm sure there'll be one, you know, probably two years, maybe. So kind of your thing is like almost every three years. Yeah. Which is a good pace. Yeah. I mean, unless you're a stadium band touring all the time and your fans demand it, why do it more often? I mean, you know. Yeah. If I, if I had an unlimited income or even, you know, enough of an income that, yeah. I, that I didn't have to have a day job and I could record all the time and write, I'd do that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That'd be the way to do it. Well... Don Pritchard, this has been absolutely fantastic. Uh, do you want to play us out? Do you want to play a little something, something? Sure. This is Toward the Insignificant. When I was younger, the world revolved around me. younger, uh uh-oh, I just did what I pleased. Toward the insignificant, I'm coming closer. Toward the
my cappuccino, my cat brushes against my leg. Sit down on my rock to status update, you know, post malady. Doctor says the big C is life has Awesome, beautiful. Thanks very much. I love that. That was really good. Do you want to do another? How do you feel? How are you feeling? Do you um, feel good? Sure, I'll do another one. Okay, let's do it. Okay. Lament of the Caribou.
once was one among so many. Once was one among so many. Once was one among so many. Now I'm one among the few. One among the few. One among the few. Beautiful. Lament of the Caribou by again Don Pritchard and once again by her 2016 release, Catch Me If You Can. Those are so good. I'm I feel like one of your coworkers right now where I'm like, you can do that? Like how do you do that? That was really, really good. Uh, and again, this whole time those two songs I was listening and I I still don't know how I would describe your style to somebody. You're kind of this thing of your own. Jeepers. No, that's great. Yeah, no, that's yeah. a really, really oh, good. good compliment. It's, thanks. Thanks. I yeah. Mean, people strive to be original their whole lives, and then, but if you can do it, it's a whole other thing. And uh, Don Pritchard, you are one of a kind. And thank you so much for doing the podcast. I appreciate it. It was awesome. Thank you for having me. It's been fun. Yeah, it was great. You were great. Everything is great. Go to donpritchard.ca for all of your Don Pritchard needs. And trust me, you need those needs fulfilled go do it asap are your albums available for digital download on there and everything uh the first album is available on itunes i guess i should get it on there but they're available for digital download off the website and off of bandcamp oh yeah classic bandcamps at donpritchard.bandcamp.com yep okay amazing go to that internet Go get yourself some Don Pritchard. You need it. Trust me, you do, and you'll feel way better for it, and you're, you'll be a better person for it. Don Pritchard, thank you so much. And as always, watch your head. It's such a beautiful waste of time. A waste of time. And there she is, another one in the books. Thanks to Don Pritchard. That was awesome. That was really, really good. I enjoyed that a lot. I forgot to give uh, Don a jar of pickles on her way out. So, Don, if you're listening, I owe you a jar of pickles to make up for the two that I technically owe you two uh, jars of pickles. So, we'll hook that up. And thanks to you for listening. Always, you Wakefield Sessions continues tomorrow and Friday. We've got a good lineup. And next week, week four, I'm thinking of maybe extending it to week five because I'm getting piles and piles of messages of people that should be on here. So, I don't know. Who knows? Maybe next week will be the last week, or maybe we'll add week five. But regardless, after that, we'll still continue, and we'll still email or interview rather people from Wakefield. They'll just be on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, and more, or Tuesdays and Fridays. Ah, oh, shit, fuck. Tuesdays and Fridays. Ignore everything you just happened. Let me start over. And there she is, another one in the books. Thanks to my guest, Don Pritchard. That was awesome. That was really great. I forgot. I owe her uh, a jar of pickles. I didn't give it to her on the way out. I technically owe her two, but um, next time, Don, I owe you. And thanks to you for listening. Always you. Remember to email the show pod at jdcomedyhour.com. Instagram and Twitter at jdcomedyhour. And follow and like on facebook.com slash jdcomedyhour. How's that for repeating? That That wasn't bad, right? All right, thanks a lot. Thanks for you being you and you do you. I love you. And as always, watch your head. Get a piece of my mind instead. I roll over and go back to bed. It's such a beautiful waste of time.
That is a fun track. That is a good choice. <laughs> and that's everything. This one and that one. That's your those that's two it. albums. Yeah. Yep. Perfect. What year did Catch Me If You Can come out? Last year, 2016. 2016, okay. Yeah, late 2016. 